0: Hi, good morning and welcome to CIO Leadership Live. I'm your host for the show, Mary Fran Johnson, CEO of Mary Fran Johnson Media. Twice a month, we produce this video show and audio podcast with the generous support of my friends at CIO.com and our CIO Executive Council. We're streaming live to you right now on both LinkedIn and on our YouTube, our CIO's YouTube channel, and we welcome all of our viewers who are participating and watching today to join in this conversation. We have editors watching the feed on both of the live areas, and if you'd like to tap in questions directly for my guest today, we will be watching for those and pass them along. Today's guest joining me is Praveen Janalak. He is the Senior Vice President and Global CIO at Comscope. Headquartered in Hickory, North Carolina, Comscope is a $9.2 billion provider of network and communications infrastructure products. It employs 30,000 people worldwide and has international production facilities in more than 15 countries. In fact, our CIO, our global CIO guest today is coming to us from Goa, India, where there are manufacturing facilities and apparently a lovely beach community as well. Praveen joined Comscope in 2008, serving as the global vice president of digital transformation and business solutions before moving into the CIO role a little more than two years ago in early 2021. As the global CIO, he leads the information technology organization as it implements all of the various aspects of an ongoing digital strategy and transformation. Prior to Comscope, Praveen spent 10 years at Ford Mazda Motor Company as a senior manager of global operations and supply chain. He has more than twenty years of experience leading global teams in everything from product engineering, software development, and manufacturing to supply chain, and most recently, information technology. Praveen, welcome! It's great to have you here.
1: Thank you, Mary Fran, and uh, thank you very much for everything you're doing for tech community and in driving this in you know, the thought leadership
0: discussions. Well, thank you. You're absolutely welcome, and I just. I never get tired of talking to CIOs and global CIOs. And as, as we discussed before we got on the show, more and more I find there is significant business experience that comes with the CIOs in these modern-day jobs today. But let let me start out by asking you, what were your marching orders as you were coming into this? This is your first global CIO role, and you had already been doing a great deal of work with the business and digital transformation at the company. So what was it that the CEO and the board wanted you to accomplish coming into the CIO role here? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, great question, right? You know, I think I spent, as you said, I spent most of my
1: time in the business, and and obviously I got you know opportunities to work with IT teams globally in in, in different companies, mm-hmm. and and coming to ComScope, you know, ComScope has grown um, over the last twenty years through acquisitions, and now you know we are a global communications you know, infrastructure company, are uh, reshaping the future of connectivity, right? Mm-hmm. Um, So, we have global customers, as you mentioned, you know, we have factories and and design centers globally. So, that puts a lot of requirements on tech teams and how you really help the company to drive this transformation around connectivity and our products to the future. Um, Coming into this role, there are a couple of expectations. Um, Some of them, you know, we could think it's basic, uh, you know, how IT teams at large, you know, over the years struggled to really become one with the business. Hmm. And it's all about the culture of the IT teams. And I think I would even believe the purpose of the IT teams. Mm-hmm. There's always some disconnect between what the company's purpose, does IT really align with the purpose? Yes. So I think the primary ask was, you know, how can IT become one with the business? And the second is, as we try to drive the digital transformation, and how could we look at IT as an engine to drive growth, revenue, and efficiencies across the company. Mm -hmm. So I think those were um, some of the marching orders from from my board and and, and the CEO. But then for me, I think the biggest thing was how could we try to redesign or redefine the culture of IT and then absolutely make sure that there is a purpose for us and then why do we exist in the company? and i think those were some of the key takeaways for me coming into this role was how we can align people process and culture with the company and then drive with the business you know one goal one objective and one outcome yes
0: you know and i'm i'm sitting here wondering whether a lot of your cio colleagues in other industries outside of technology and and network providers and so forth they might uh, they might be under the impression that technology companies that you automatically have an at one with the business feeling because you're in the technology industry. And of course, the IT teams are all part of the business. So it may actually be a little comforting to hear that this is a very common issue across IT organizations in all industries.
1: I think absolutely. I think the biggest challenge is people don't realize that and everybody tries to support the business, right? There's yes. there is, it's not that you know nobody wants to support the business, but there is a difference between supporting the business versus you really take charge mm-hmm. in driving the business. Mm-hmm. And if you look at in even 15 years ago, IT is looked at as you are the owner of technology. And everybody put you in that box and respected you for some time that, hey, you know, let's go to IT. Yes. you really want some technology. But now, today, technology is so pervasive. And yes. actually, in the company, outside of IT, there are more owners of technology than IT itself. Right. So now, what should IT do, right? You know, in my view, the best thing would be is you co-innovate, co- co-ownership with the business, right? Mm-hmm. You know, IT should never think about, okay, I'm the sole owner of technology, but you should, you know, go ahead and, you know, partner with the business and see... How could we drive outcomes together yes. for the company's growth? I think that's that's a shift of you know, thinking and we should help the teams to realize that.
0: Well, and that's that's a great point. I know for many years in the um because before I was uh just doing the CIO Leadership Live, I've been involved in the tech industry on the media side, both as the Editor-in-Chief at Computer World and then later at CIO Magazine. And I can remember all the times that we would describe how IT has a helicopter view of the entire business. But in the last few years, I started. I dropped the helicopter idea and started talking about IT as more of a central nervous system for a business because that whole helicopter hovering above everyone, that felt like the wrong image to me, the way IT has evolved over time. In fact, one of the points you made when we talked earlier, you said you really see the CIO role itself should be probably called chief transformation officer. Uh, So I wanted to get a little more of your thinking on when you say that, what do you mean? You're thinking about more about business transformation, but also about the way that IT partners with all their business colleagues. So, but you explain it. What is a, how should a CIO be a chief transformation officer?
1: Yeah, no, I think it, it, it is all about, you know, sometimes titles doesn't make, you know, any sense, or you know, people can argue whether you know which title you should have or should not. Mm-hmm. But the fundamental point is if you really wanted to drive a culture of having the business ownership, business sense, and, and drive business growth and outcomes, you should really look at yourself and say, Who am I in the company? Mm-hmm. Because people should have that purpose, right? The purpose is not for IT. And if somebody says, say, I'm a technology group. I'm going to bring technology into the company and maybe drive some value to the business. For me, you know, that is just a table stake. Sure. And really, you know, unless you know, you start thinking about, hey, I have an equal footing like any other business function, and I have a goal. I'm going to stay in line with my other partners, mm-hmm. and that I'm going to do everything, anything, you know, to do drive business growth, revenue, and transformation. Mm-hmm. So, in order to have that branding, the branding is very important. You know, people rally behind branding. People connect with the branding. So, this whole you know IT or chief information officer was relevant maybe ten years ago mm-hmm. because everybody thinking you know, IT is the one who's providing the information and intelligence and all of it. Right but now, you know, information again is pervasive. It's it's democratized. Everybody uses it. Mm-hmm. So now. IT should look at it as you know, technology has a great potential of recreating business models. Mm-hmm. Or you know, if you don't really act on it, it could put put some some industries out of business. Mm-hmm. So now, if you are in that you know crossroads of you know taking and driving the business to the future, and you have that role of transformation. And if 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 a company's position IT teams in such a way that sends a broader message across the company, right. that how could we partner with with IT function to drive the business growth and business objectives rather than I'm gonna go to IT when I need some technology? So that's, that's right. a whole different different ways to look at it.
0: Well, and a point you made earlier too about technology, technologists themselves seeing, uh, seeing themselves inside a box, like, Oh, we've delivered the technology. Our job is all done now. That's, that's now very old fashioned. The way tech teams are working, especially in agile and design thinking environments and that sort of thing. Uh, talk a little bit about some of the changes that you've been making to the tech organization at uh, Comscope. You have 30,000 employees and um, about 1,000 people, some of them contractors, but you have a very large IT organization. So what are some of those, tell us about the organization and some of those initial changes you've made and how that's been working out?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, as you said, you know, we sell our company from applications, infrastructure to cyber and then digital transformation, but also try to drive some process transformation in the company. Mm. And, and with those broader responsibilities, and also we always wanted to see that how could we drive growth? You know, can we help our sales? Can we mm-hmm. you know, help our manufacturing to drive efficiencies so that it can add to the bottom line? But with all of that backdrop, some of the basics have to be very, very solid before we go make some ambitious statements you know with, with the board and everybody, the basics are in my view, how do you position yourself so that you know it can become that you know becoming one with the business objective mm-hmm. um, So when we looked at the global organization you know we said okay and we went and talked to a lot of I went and talked to a lot of business leaders and you know what was working what was not working and how would they see if they were in my shoe how would they run? Okay. Uh, so we got some great feedback. You know, people, you know, gave some points that, okay, maybe they didn't see IT as an empathetic organization. Uh, we were not listening. Uh, maybe, you know, we were nice people, but, you know, we really didn't understand where the business was heading. So there's a lot of good feedback. And then we came back to the drawing board. And then we said, okay, let's go see how could we address some of these good opportunities and, ch- and challenges in front of us. Mm-hmm. And we said, okay, we're going to design you know, a couple of pillars in IT. The first and foremost one is, you know, how could we have IT leaders and teams embedded in the business? Because if you remember, there was old sure. uh, terminology, people use business relationship managers. I
0: remember it, the BRMs, that's again, yeah. were 10 years ago, but yeah, that was very big. And, mm-hmm. and if you look at that, right, by definition of
1: it, it shows that you're trying to build a relation with somebody. Right. But you're mm-hmm. part of the company, you know, the, the BRMs, in my view, that was probably worked in 10 years ago, then we said, okay, let's go look at a team which can become more like a, a business integration team, you know, which sits in within the business leaders, you know, for example, I have, I call, you know, mini CIOs yeah, and, you know, one of them sits within the supply chain leader staff meetings and mm-hmm. he's, he's part of his team. Right, even though he reports to me, but he's part of his team, and he's there every day, you know, understanding what's happening. The same thing with the product development organization. Same thing with corporate functions. So, so we created this pillar where you know there are dedicated people sit in the business mm-hmm. and try to work with the business every day, not sit in the back office and taking orders, right? So that's completely different now. The business leaders see that, you know, we are investing. We are invested in the business interest. You know, we are right there where the action takes place. Whether, mm-hmm. it, whether it be strategy, it could be operations, it could be whatever, you know, the tactical thing, but we are there every day. So that mm-hmm. that was the first pillar. And the second, we said uh, data is so important. And, and you know, a lot of people, we talk about, you know, it's the business intelligence. But at the end of the day, if we can't provide great insights and information is useless, insight should drive an action, insight, insight should give them some intelligence to go act on something. Yeah. So we said, okay, we're going to have a data organization looking at, you know, our process which creates the data, how could we have data governance, you know, fundamentals of data modeling, and mm-hmm. then, you know, we can do AI and other good stuff, you know, once you have the basics in place. So we have a data organization in place. And obviously we need cyber you know, cybersecurity, you know, to look at, you know, across our company and our products, and how to secure and protect our assets. Mm-hmm. And then we build a shared services function, which includes an applications and infrastructure to serve the business across the globe. But I think if you look at the organization, the driver is in how can we live in the business, understand the needs there and then, and then figure out how to support the business and drive growth for the business. Yeah. So I think that's a fundamental shift versus the model we used to have like a plan, build and run. Which was a very traditional, you know, IT model. Mm-hmm. So, so that's the model we are in, in two years, and uh, and we have some challenges. Obviously, you know, this is a journey; it's not going to solve everything overnight. But we got some very good feedback from the business, so the model is working, and you know, we are seeing the results, and we are more and more um, living the business dream every day, more than the IT dream.
0: Yes. Well, and um, when you talk with, uh, tell us a little bit more about. Comscope's customer base is not as straightforward as, say, you know, a B2C group of customers. You have both B2B and B2C and channel partners that are involved in other parts of the tech industry. How do you, as the global CIO... How do you make sure you're tapped into what the customers outside the company, uh, that those, I've had some CIOs argue that those are the only customers that really matter. But of course, the relationships inside the company are just as important to IT. But how do you make sure that the changes you're making in the tech organization are going to help spur this growth and this ability to work well with all the different customer bases you have?
1: Yeah, no, uh, great question. You know, uh, I think, you know, we as a company, uh two years ago, we launched an initiative called Comscope Next, uh, which nice. is focused on three fundamental pillars. The one, how could we drive organic growth? Uh, Comscope historically was built on mergers and acquisitions, but now it's the time to go expand the business and grow organically. That's, that's one of the goals. The second is, How could we optimize the portfolio? You know, over the years we acquired a lot of companies. Mm -hmm. How could we have a product line or product lines which can drive growth and set up for the future? So, how could we clean up some of the products and portfolios? The last one is how to drive efficiencies, uh, whether it could be operational efficiencies or other efficiencies across the company. So, looking at that, you know, it is very important for us to reimagine our business models. And as you mentioned, we are we are. Predominantly a B2B business, right? Mm-hmm. We have channel partners. We have other partners who would sell and service our products. We do sell directly to some customers, but mostly it's a B2B. So the, the general thinking when you have a B2B business is that you know you don't have a B2C. You know you don't need to have a lot of that B2C type of um, experience for your customers, mm-hmm. but. Uh, but that is not right because you know every b2b customer expects the same experience because they are also consumers in a different ways so and also it's an opportunity for us to see you know, how could we provide that best experience even to our partners so that you know it can help them and their businesses to reduce their operational expenses too because you know you don't want to have this you know manual touch points mm-hmm. So the first thing we said was we're going to go and spend some time with our external customers and understand their pain points. so we 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 went and talked to some of our biggest customers and also our sales teams which are interfacing with the customers. And what are they hearing from the field? So we took that and then we went and said, okay, and how could we build some of the capabilities which can bridge the gaps which exist today? And one example is, you know, we as a B2B business, you don't you don't you don't think that you know we would sell or try to showcase our products and take the customer through that buying journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was not ex- existed in the past, but now we said, okay, if a customer comes to a website, no matter which customer it is, uh, we will take them through the journey where to buy, and then we may land them into a, a channel partner. The final sale might take place in a channel partner. But we would give them that experience, yes. right? So that's what we've done. So it's an example. Okay. So, so I think it, it is very important to treat your customer, whether it's a direct customer, a channel partner, with a mindset of how can we make their life easy when they do business with us. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what I think we are trying to tell ourselves every day that, you know, our goal is to make our customers'
0: life easy. Yes. Well, and that as you mentioned, the ComScope's next program is actually corporate wide. This is yes. something so well that that's probably a good step forward for IT anyway to be a big part of a corporate wide program that is focused on customers. To how have you done things as the CIO to make sure that your IT teams are more in those kind of direct sort of relationships maybe with sales teams and with customers? Uh, Have you set up new structures that enable them to do that?
1: Yeah, no, I think as part of the organizational structure, you know, we talked about a little bit, you know, one of the IT function, which I have a mini CIOs, I said, you know, one of them uh, is directly sits in the sales function. And Mm -hmm. he and and his team works with the sales teams and, you know, the, the customers together and understand, you know, what are those touch points, you know, which one makes sense, which will, you know, provide a win-win for us and our customers. Mm -hmm. Um, So that function directly, you know, lives in the business and then they work with them every day.
0: Um, Let's talk, I wanted to pivot over and talk, especially since, uh, well, I had asked you, you know, whether some of the common problems that you see other cios in other industries your b2b customers your b2c customers that they're trying to solve and when we talked about this earlier you said it really comes down to talent the data, and then also, of course, cybersecurity, which is prevalent always and, and with us always. But I wanted to focus in on that data and the AI aspects of it, because generative AI and chat GPT and all that is such a big topic now, not just with the tech industry, but with business industries everywhere. Tell us about how you're approaching that. And are there specific things that you're doing that are getting your teams more deeply into working with generative AI?
1: Yeah, no, I think great question, right? It's obviously you know, a topic nowadays and everybody can, you know, <laughs> just live without talking about it. Um I yeah. think before we talk about you know Gen AI, you know, I have talk a little bit about data. Because okay people, you know, it's easy to carry it away with all this, you know, the the motions of AI and chat GPT and people get excited with it, but when it comes to enterprises, mm-hmm. um, the data is a foundation and, and, and data is a product of processes. Data just doesn't happen, you know, just in a vacuum. So last, you know, like five to seven years, you know, we spent significant time as a company to looking at you know how could we establish that foundation, and then you know governance so that we can have a good data models within the company, right. and that investment is going to pay off now where the gen AI kind of you know come into existence and then we can now tap into it. So we are looking at a few opportunities. That right? at the end of the day, our goal is how can we drive better business outcomes. Sometimes technology is right. good, great. A lot of you know buzz going on, but you know, can it can it make a difference for the business? Our business, every business yes. is different. Um, so we're looking at a couple of things, right? One, you know, obviously for our R and D groups, you know, can we use you know Gen AI and you know Microsoft's Copilot? You know, can it actually help mm-hmm. uh, to drive you know improvements and then speed and agility in what we do? So that that that's one area. The second, you know, as we serve our customers. So can we use Gen AI to serve customers in a better way? And, you know, and how could that help us to understand our customer needs and then provide them more capabilities than, you know, a, a human only channel we have today? Okay. So that, that's another opportunity we're trying to, trying, trying to take on. And the last one is, you know, we have large manufacturing presence. And then how could we look at some of the AI capabilities? Whether it's you know, vision processing, you know, where we have you know, products we make and we do inspections, you know, can we automate them? You know, would that you know, help us our product quality even better than what we have today? So we're looking at plenty of opportunities, but right now the focus is, you know, let's not jump into it in, in 10 priorities. Let's go pick one or two which can move the needle for the company and learn and experiment. And mm-hmm. then, you know, build upon it. So I think that's that's what we're doing. And we are partnering with Microsoft and, and, and trying to, the part some of the partners, because this is going to take, you know, a lot more um, capabilities from different partners. It's, it, it's not, you know, uh, if somebody wants to think they want to build it, I don't think it makes sense for us to go build on our own.
0: Okay. Now you'd mentioned earlier that you have essentially like mini CIOs in charge of different parts of the IT organization as it's structured. I explained those to me about there, you said there were three pillars. Um, go go through those again on uh, what are the areas? I know supply chain, of course, is one of them, and data is another one. Are there, what are the other areas?
1: Yeah, so we have uh, <clears throat> these many CIOs, you know, they, they sit in the business. One is mm-hmm. our R&D functions. You know, we have a, a large R&D group. We invest roughly about $600 million every year in, in our R&D. So, so, one of the pillars is you know, making sure that you know, we align with it and then right. we understand their needs and we bring the capabilities to the forefront. And then the second one I already talked about is sales. So, how could we sit with oh. sales and mm-hmm. understand you know, the sales challenges and opportunities and our customers? So, that, that's another pillar. And then mm-hmm. the other pillar I talked about, the supply chain and manufacturing pillar. Ah, uh, and then the last one is the corporate functions, whether it's finance, legal, and, and, and other mm-hmm. functions, how could we help them to, to bring efficiencies and their goals?
0: Yes. Well, and that sounds very much like a a, a real business-focused organization, doesn't it? It doesn't have yeah. a plan, build, and run. It's not, here's the applications group, here's the network group. Uh, that's gotten to be pretty much old-fashioned, hasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Are there um, when you had mentioned the uh, supply chain and manufacturing, and I know that that's an area that you've done a great deal of work in from the business side during your own career. What are um, tell us about factory automation for and the kind of the kind of work that you've undertaken through the IT organization there? Um, uh, because as you you mentioned, there's just huge challenges, especially for tech industry companies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, that's a, that's a
1: kind of interesting question. And the reason I'm saying it's an
0: interesting question is there's also a lot of uh, hype around it uh, over <laughs> well, the years. And, this and, and, is, this is our industry. This is what we do, right? <laughs> we hype everything. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, so I think for us, um, it's very important in any supply chain manufacturing function. You really understand. What is your business model? what makes sense either from an automation standpoint or factory 4.0 perspective um, because what fits in I came from automotive right you know what fits in automotive from an automation standpoint doesn't work for companies like us you know we are a communications infrastructure. so so there, yes. there is the, the first first lens is you know what is my business you know where are the opportunities? again, what the business outcome I can drive? So so with that lens in place, and then we went and looked at opportunities where, in some of the product lines, where we have a lot more complexity than others, Mm -hmm. and then let's go try to see what with the business and see if we can create a better business outcome and value, better quality and throughput. Um, So, so that that kind of the the approach, simple approach, it's it's common sense, it makes sense, and let's go look at it, and then but bring the technology what makes sense. But I think if we look at the, the whole manufacturing and supply chain industry, prior to the pandemic, it was very linear, right? People have global factories, people have, you know, regional supply chains or most of the mm-hmm. supply chain may be coming from China. So life is good and everybody, you know, driving, you know, the model everybody is used to do. Right Now, pandemic kind of brought in completely a, 360 degree different view. Mm-hmm. Supply chain challenges, um, demand spike, longer lead times, and you know, challenges with people because of the pandemic. So this is kind of you know put people in the in 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 a place where and, and challenge them to define a new playbooks for supply chain and, and manufacturing. Yeah. So um, it took some time. I don't think you know, everybody knew day one hey, it is how I'm going to redefine my supply chain strategy and manufacturing. We are in the same place. Mm-hmm. But what we have done uh, as we go through that journey in the last you know, two, two and a half years, mm-hmm. uh, one thing we realized was the most important thing for the leaders who are running, because they're already under tremendous stress because you've got to manage all of this complexity. Yes. And there was no playbook. Um, visibility was a challenge for them. And in terms of, you know, yep, I know that my supply chain lead times are longer, but how how is it impacting my revenue, my products, my mm-hmm. customer delivery dates, and the commodities are going through the roof and how it's going to impact my profitability. So all of these things are happening at the same time. Yes. Now, what we have done is, you know, we, our team went to work and said, okay, let's go bring the data, create the models, and -hmm. then go back to the business and say, here is an impact. We may not be 100% accurate, but we kind of started generating that curiosity with with data in the business and say, oh, we're only looking at one thing, but there are five things coming in. Here is a correlation. And how we go and address those problems? Yeah. So I think that is very important for a lot of the IT organizations is... Don't wait until the business comes to you. Oh, yes. But if you have a, a, a sound un, and understanding of the business, you know, let's go ahead and go to work and put those in front of the business. Mm-hmm. then from there, you know, you work through, right? It's hard work. If you wanted to change planning, if you wanted to change your supply chain factories mm-hmm. and how were you making products and then put people, bring people to work, and the transportation was a challenge, and freight was going through the roof. And how to understand those cost implications. It's every day you got to go to work and start working on these things, but now you have visibility through data. Mm-hmm. And you know, you have that visibility tells you, you know, what to do, what not to do, how to improve profitability, what products you need to increase the price. Uh, some cases, you know, increasing price across the board doesn't make sense, but you got to go very targeted and understand what the impact on our customers and mm-hmm. go give that information to the sale so that they are prepared to deal with the customers. Mm-hmm. So that, that's more than just a supply chain because it's a connected company, right? Because you sure. make products and the sales are responsible to sell for the relationship with the customers. So you got to make sure that all these stakeholders are connected and receiving the information and the insights so that they prepare to take actions to make sure that you know we all comes together as a company and then runs every day and go to work and, and make Comscope win.
0: Well, and along with that, um, importance of visibility into everything that's going on is the volatility of the exactly. business environment today. I mean, the, the, what you were dealing with when you came into the job in 2021, we were still very much in the full flow of the pandemic and all the changes and all the people aspects of that. Now in 23, there are more issues with managing inventory which may have really become a glut uh in some companies and some of the creative ways to deal with that today um i have a um i have a a couple questions from our alert and watching audience who's with us this morning and it's right in line with what we were getting ready to talk about too can you talk about the culture the uh, the culture you wanted to shape and the steps you took to get there uh, we mentioned culture a couple of times just sort of passing it by, but I do think that the changes and the expansions and the, the pivoting of IT cultures to be more business focused while at the same time honoring the importance of technology, understanding and knowledge, I think that that's very much on the minds of a lot of CIOs. So talk about that, uh, the culture that you wanted to shape, and I think we've already mentioned a few of the steps you took toward it, but what will be next there?
1: Yeah, no, I think that's a great question because whenever we talk about culture, right? You know, some people think you know it's a very fancy word. It sits in powerpoints and you know some statement on company walls and all of that. But when when we went to work or when we try to you know look at our culture, we started asking some questions. Not that you know as a CIO, I'm going to go ask everybody, hey, what do you think? You know, mm-hmm. we all said we all have we all have the opportunity and a problem. Uh, not you know only the team and we said you know, why do we exist in the company? We started asking questions. Do mm-hmm. we know? And you know the, the answers were yeah we're a technology um, organization. You know we bring technology. You know we take pride in providing you know SAP this and that. There's a lot of things right. But then we we started asking questions. What is our north star? What is our purpose? Right. Our purpose mm-hmm. is and is purpose is you know we're we're technology people and we bring technology. Is that our purpose? So I think that is very important to really spend time and rally your team to get to a place where we understand that, hey, our north star is to making the business win and drive the business growth. Take pride in our products. A lot of times, IT teams, you know, they don't even know their products well. They know, yeah. they know the, the, the technology products well. They talk about AWS or Azure and this and that. But you know, take pride in our products and, and, and see that we are an integral part of that product going into the market and then making a difference in customers. Mm-hmm. And, and also, we went a step ahead. If you look at our company, we are a communications infrastructure company. And, but we are not a household name like Microsoft or like Google's and all of these companies, mm-hmm. but they are our customers. And we make Microsoft win. We make Google win. But more than so, um, Mary Fran, I think one thing which, you know, why do we come to work every day? What is your purpose or passion? Mm -hmm. If you look at last two years during the pandemic, because of Comscope or Comscope like companies went to work every day and connected people, businesses and communities globally. Yes. People were able to, you know, talk through Zoom and, you know, and even though we people may not know our name, but we are the backbone of that. Mm-hmm. And imagine if that would not happen. And, you know, people, how would people talk to each other? Yes. And how, how businesses, you know, connect and communicate. So I think that's what we need to attach the IT team to a purpose. Mm-hmm. That, you know, it's beyond technology. You know, we come to work and we make a difference. And, and I think that's the, that's the majority of the time we spent is. How could we connect ourselves to something which we see as a north star? And then, you know, technology, obviously, right, we are the technology people. We bring that to the forefront to drive the business goals. So, so that's what I would ask is spend time and, and, and try to connect the purpose and why you exist in the company. Yes. And what is the, the greater thing you could do? And then you could look at it and say that, you know, that's why I come to work every day.
0: Yeah. Now, do you do this essentially with kind of managers doing individual mentoring on their teams, or do you have programs where it's, you know, I, I think of the bring your kid to work program sort of things that business executives sometimes do. Do you have something where uh, X number of hours per quarter, everyone should be spending time with their closest business colleagues? How do you actually go about doing that? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think we took a very simple, simple approach. You know, one, the first thing we said, you know, we all should try to, as leaders, Mm -hmm. know our people. The large organizations and companies like us, right, it's very easy to manage through your management layer and you don't even know who your employees are to the level where you wanted to know. So, we said, let's connect to our people, right? Let's talk to them, whether you have quarterly town halls, and the managers spend time you know, weekly with their teams. Mm-hmm. And you know, we said, we are going to invite the business leaders. And at every level, everybody is going to invite a business manager or the leader to their staff meetings. And then let them come in and talk about you know, what opportunities out there or how are we making a difference in their business, in their role, and how are we shaping the future of the company. Or, you know, what challenges they may see that, you know, IT should go and work for. So I think that helped us not only be knowing our IT teams better and connecting with them with the purpose, with the mission, but also bringing business into the picture and then them coming and talking about, you know, why we are all one. We need you. Right. Right. So that, that, I think that dialogue, we did, you know, dictated a timetable, but we said, you know, some of these things you should lead by example. And I host my town hall every quarter for a global town hall. And I make sure I invite a senior leader to my town hall. And my town hall starts with the business leader talking about the strategy and some of the work IT has done in the past, how it moved the needle, and then what opportunities in front of us, right? So that sets the tone. That, That tells my team that, You know, now, you know, we are part of the business. It's not Mm -hmm. just like CIO talking about cloud, data, AI, and then, you know, call about, okay, we're all doing a good job and then let's meet in the next quarter.
0: Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Now, there was another question as well from our alert and listening audience. And this is a really big picture one. Where do you see the industry heading in the next three to five years when it comes to digital transformation. And we were talking about this before the transformation has gotten to be like the innovation word where you think of transformation with a capital T and then there's the small ongoing changes that do ultimately transform companies. But when you look at uh, the entire tech industry as a whole and think about the sort of work that's being done on so many different fronts with digital transformation, take us out three to five years on what you see or what you would like to see happening
1: yeah no i think that's uh, that's an interesting question and but that's a lot of uh, leaders and even teams mind right what's going to happen in the next three to five years yes i see you know this is my view maybe it's a little bit radical view but you know in the three to five years i see that every business function will have more technology than you know what we have collectively at a company level Mm-hmm. That means, you know, the capabilities and the opportunities that technology can drive digitally with data, with Gen AI, and you could combine, the, the, the you can wrap the digital around data and AI and all the other technology advancement, even quantum computing, one, one want to throw in there. Mm-hmm. But I think the point is, the businesses will have more technology, more opportunities. Every business and every function is going to be become a digital function. Whether they like it or not, that's what is going to happen. Now, and then what that means, and even I, this is what I say a little bit radical is, I could even see the IT teams, the lingo of IT is disappearing and then, you know, we are part of the business. Mm -hmm. Right? And then that point, right, we're all driving business using technology, whether it's a digital, Mm -hmm. whether it's a data, whether it's AI. So you're part of the business now. There is no calling up IT teams, sitting somewhere and trying to either support or live within the business. So now it's all one teams. I think I I don't mind the CIO title going away and then you go become part of a business leader and then drive the digital and other initiatives in the company. I think that's what I would see happening in three to five years. Yes.
0: Okay, good. Well, and one of the uh, one of the interviews you had done previously that I read, I like there was a quote you said when you're in t- terms of changing your IT culture that you're encouraging all of your IT your leaders, your managers, the the line workers that to do eighty percent listening and twenty percent talking, and that IT people. I mean, the the problem is IT people are problem solvers, and you pointed out they're also very optimistic. So they come in thinking they can solve any and everything. Um, how have you how have you used that tendency of technologists to your benefit? And where have you tried to change some of those behaviors where they're doing more listening than talking?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, you know, when I said in you know, IT people are optimistic people, it'd be the good sense, but I think that's why they're optimistic, you know, they don't let the business talk. And, and understand the full requirement and they think they can go solve the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we have done is we said, okay you know why don't we with the people we can call it the design thinking or understanding the business better and try to really see what problem we are trying to solve before we jump into the technology. Mm-hmm. I think we have made you know tremendous progress in, in those lines because as we are trying to live within the business, and also asking ourselves, you know, why I should be using this technology? What outcome I'm driving for the business? Mm-hmm. So that made us to go and listen more to the business and empathetic towards the business and then try to drive the culture change. Okay. But then, you know, I think as we get into pandemic, and then this is where now I'm telling my team is, there are three things we're trying to really take to work every day. The first thing is adaptability, okay. right? You know, there is a lot of uncertainty. And 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 people could easily say, okay, you know, business priorities is changing every day. How am I going to support it? Or how am I going to you know drive the business? So we're saying adaptability is the key, right? You know, you got to adapt to the situation even two times a day. That's what the business needs are. Let's go morph into them. So that's the first one. The second one is. You should be curious, right? You know, people, you and I talked about this innovation with big eye, small eye, and all yeah. of that. And in my view, I would I would ask my team to be curious all day, every day. You know, try to be you know looking into the business. If you don't know, it could be a a, a dumb question, but go ask the question, right? Try right. to know what's happening. And then once you know that the last thing is experimentation, right? Mm-hmm. You go take that you know, be very flexible, adaptable, and be curious. And then when you see that there is an opportunity, go experiment it. And if it, if mm-hmm. it, yields results great, if not, you know, kill that experimentation, go try again. So I think that's what I think we should be doing in today's, you know, business volatility and what's happening out there, versus we think, you know, I'm going to wait and then try this for six months. And if it works, then, you know, okay, if not, then I'm going to try something else.
0: Okay. Well, and I also wanted to ask you about, in a, again, another big picture question: the strategic business and technology, or business technology priorities for ComScope for the rest of this year and into next year. Is there anything that is really shifted more aggressively up your own priority list as the global CIO?
1: I think you know one thing. Uh, the, some of the fundamentals are same. And we're trying to drive ComScope next. You know that is our key strategic you know mm-hmm. opportunity and and task from a board and the CEO. Right, we're trying to drive that. But given the macroeconomic situations, you know, go, playing up there, uh, we are very mindful of you know how to stay right there with the business. And as I said, mm-hmm. the, the adaptability. Know, try to see you know, if business needs something today to support our customers or to change strategy and we are right there with them so mm-hmm. I think that's that's one change I would I would call it as versus if I go back a year or two ago uh we were probably may not be that agile and adaptable in terms of you know strategy and you know, what should we do but today you know we're absolutely get it, right you know hey mm-hmm. it's business and it's dynamic. And that's what the market demands. And mm-hmm. then we be there with them and drive Comscope next through that change. So that, that's, I think, the primary change for our team.
0: Okay. And I know too, when we talked earlier, you'd mentioned you've um, implemented with great success a design thinking framework that you use throughout the IT organization. Can you give us a kind of a before and after, an example of something that you really ended up with a better business outcome due to work done through a design thinking, a design planning framework?
1: Yeah, and I think I'll give a simple example. You know, we talked about this B2B versus B2C yes. type of you know, scenario. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, because we're a B2B company, you know, the general notion going into is we don't need to have something on our website where customers need to take through a flying journey, so to speak. Mm. Um, but then, you know, we said, but if you go talk to our customers and the message was loud and clear that they wanted to have that experience. Um, so we went and talked to distributors and customers and others then you know, that's, that's what I call whether you know, we label it design thinking or not. But you try to understand the needs of your customer better. Mm-hmm. And then you come back and put it to work. So we exactly did that, right? We went before, you know, we never, even including some of the business, you know, they all used to say, we don't need that because we're B2B. But nobody validated that. Nobody went and, and you know, put that design thinking type of activity or the, the stream in place and say, let me go talk to my stakeholders and then bring mm-hmm. it back and then go you know figure out how to solve the problem so that's what exactly we've done you know in, in that example but but i think the finally people whether we, we take design thinking as a, a process change mm-hmm. or a framework but ultimately the people's mindset has to change as i said if it if you're talking more than we are listening then you know you are defeating the design thinking principle. So so that's what I think we've been trying to live up to every day, whether it's a small change we're trying to help with the business or a large program. But how could we be more mindful of listening and then what the customer wants versus what we think they want? Yes. Uh, so that that's the shift. I think I don't I don't say that you know we are we declare victory here that you know we are hundred percent successful. Mm-hmm. But you know, I I strongly believe that you know success should not be measured with absolutes, but you should measure with momentum.
0: Yeah.
1: And that's what I'm saying. we got a great momentum and we're going to continue
0: the momentum. Okay, awesome. Um, the uh, One of the other things we talked about were um, innovation ecosystems. Uh, I used to, in some of these interviews, of here, we've, I've been doing this show since, gosh, late in 2017. And, and in the early years, we talked a lot about how innovation groups were being set up and what IT was doing to help the business innovate and so forth. But you've got an entire section that is research and development. You've got an R&D area and so forth. So do you have anything you would consider an ecosystem for innovating inside of IT and inside of ComScope as it applies to the corporate-wide next changes coming? Uh, I'm not quite sure what to ask you about that, but I'll bet you have something going on. Mm -hmm.
1: No, absolutely. I think at, at a company level, you know, we've been running a program for several years where we encourage people to, you know, put their ideas and, you know, they're being scored and picked. and then obviously Oh, yeah, like
0: all, a shark tank kind of approach.
1: Yeah, right? so they all oh. come together. They're present to the senior leadership. And then, you know, whatever the, the top one or two or three ideas, again, which can drive a better business outcome will be funded, approved. And that process is in place. Mm-hmm. Uh, but coming to IT, um, what we have done, even though we don't we did not label it with anything, but I think what we have done is, you know, how could we have small teams? We call them tiger teams, but you know, we could say small teams, yes, and pick one area of opportunity where we could go partner with the business and and drive a better outcome. Mm-hmm. Um you talked about inventory optimization or you know, we can look at our planning in you know, aspect of it. We we exactly did that. We went to work and said, okay, let's pick you know three people from IT and then maybe three people from business mm-hmm. and let's take you know 30, 60, 90 days and then see what we can do. And whether that includes, you know, okay, if you want to use cloud as a playground, you could use it. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to go, you know, do a design thinking on the process transformation, go do it. But how can we take it in the small Bytes so that it's measurable, you can see the progress. If it doesn't work, go do something else. Right. Uh, so try to make it more practical than you know, trying to drive across IT, have 10 streams going, but then at the end of the day, you look back and you could see that I did not drive any value or deliver any value.
0: Well, all these discussions I've had over the years with CIOs, it almost seems that the smaller the teams and the faster they can work the better the outcomes for everyone. For one thing, you don't get bored. You don't get weighted down with a lot of bureaucracy. And I just, I can't think of a single instance where uh, a giant innovation effort really produced anything. And so it does tend to be those smaller teams, which also taps into that notion that it's just, it's, people to people relationships. It's, you know, we've talked a lot about empathy, and you're actually applying empathy in a much broader sense with IT showing more empathy to their business colleagues. I think in the early years of the pandemic, we talked about empathy a lot as people were readjusting their work schedules and and where you could show up for work and that sort of thing. Um before we uh before we go today, Praveen, I wanted to ask you just Personally, what have you learned or uh, consequently changed about your own leadership style in these last few years, especially your first, well, your first two here on the job and your first CIO job? When you think about yourself as a leader uh, from all the supply chain work and the engineering teams that you've led in the past, what do you see has changed about the way you are leading your people today?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you know one thing which I talked a little bit about it, it, which is you know more adaptability, right? You know, even for myself, because we're all humans, we are boxed in with a personality and characteristics and you know we all want to do things in a certain way. But when I look back in the last you know two, two and a half years, the pandemic and other challenges, um, there is nobody who can figure this out alone. The only way you could go at and, and as a company, you could go win and serve your customers and, and take care of your employees is listening, empathetic, and then adapt your situation and give up your own personal style, so to speak. Sometimes it's easy for leaders to have a style to carry with them and then say Mm -hmm. that, you know, this is what I think I figured out everything. Yeah, Uh, I try not to do that. And and one key thing in how I try to maintain that is be self-aware every day, right? You know, Mm -hmm. self-awareness is very, very important um, for a leader or anybody, but in this context of, What's going on? I think if you're not self aware, it's easy to overlook certain things because mm-hmm. you think that you, the CIOs are in a role which has a lot of information and a lot of you know, capabilities at your disposal. But if you're not careful, if you try to read the pulse of the business every day, it's easy to you know, keep yourself you know, in a
0: distance from the
1: business. So that's what I try not to do.
0: Yes, it it would be easy, wouldn't it, to sink into the just the sheer joy of working with technology and seeing small things working out. Uh, And that would be and, you know, we've made the point many times over the years that the the technologists did not go into the fields that they love because they wanted to be out there. Talking with marketing and sales and and meeting with all the customers and that sort of thing. I mean, there's a whole different personality type that's att- attracted to technology. And I. it sounds to me like you're doing a lot of really good work, getting the technology people to speak up more and to be seen and heard throughout the business in a way that's not going to frighten anybody off, right?
1: <laughs> Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. I used to I used to often say that I thought that the technology people are probably the smartest people in the room, but they have to be careful that they don't act like they know everything, even though they yeah. might, right? That central nervous system kind of kind of idea again. Thank you so much for joining me today, Praveen. It was really good to talk with you and to hear all about what you're doing. In uh you don't sound like a CIO on his. His first round. So um, now that you've been a CIO for two years, do you think you would ever go back to a business leadership job, or do you just do you just love this?
1: Well, I mean, I think you know, as I as you asked the question, right, in three to five years, I think you know CIOs are going to be disappearing, and and everybody uh, you will know, become a business leader. So, but absolutely, I think even whether I'm CIO or or a business leader, my goal is to drive the business, the growth, yes. the revenue, or customer
0: success. Well, and ultimately, we may not be distinguishing between someone who's all technology background, all business background. It should just be all, all, all in one. I like the idea of chief transformation officer, although, as we said, transformation is one of those words like innovation where you can interpret it so many different ways. Um, well, thank you very much. It was delightful speaking with you today. Thanks,
1: Mary Fran. Pleasure to be here. And, and again, I said and applaud you for what you're doing for tech community.
0: So... All right. It was our pleasure indeed. If you joined us late today, do not despair. You can watch the full episode later today. It'll be here for several hours right on our LinkedIn page on CIO Online. But you can also find this interview on CIO.com and on CIO's YouTube channel. CIO Leadership Live is available as an audio podcast as well, wherever you find your podcasts. And I hope you enjoyed today's conversation about IT leadership with Global CIO Praveen Janala of Comscope. We look forward to seeing you back again in two weeks. We'll be here on July 26th at noon Eastern. And my guest will be CIO Jennifer Hartsock of Cargill Corporation. Thanks again for joining us today and do take a moment to subscribe to CIO's YouTube channel where you can find all of our previous 105 plus growing library of CIO Leadership Live interviews. Enjoy the summertime and please join us here next time. Take care.